Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back here on Black Canvas Season 7. I have a very special guest here with us. If you guys have not heard of him before, this is going to be an amazing introduction to our guest. His name is Nicholas D. Ferris, and he is a tarot reader, and he is an actor living in New York City under the name Tarot Visa. He has read for A-list celebrities, Fortune 500 company CEOs, and has been the featured reader at major NYC tarot events. He grew up in the northernest most part of the New York State in a small city of Watertown in a region known as the North Country. His family were some of the original settlers of the North Country 200 years ago, and it is here in this land of snow, ice, and forest that he first learned to read the cards. Nicholas's great-great-grandmother got her start reading tea leaves and fortunes early in the last century. And the women in Nicholas's family have passed down the art of divining the future for over a hundred years. His mother gave him his first deck of tarot cards in the Adirondack Mountains when he was 10, and it was from his grandmother, great-grandmother, and older cousins that he learned the arts of tea leaf reading, dream interpretation, and seeing spirits. However, it wasn't until Nicholas moved away from home that he even realized hearing beyond the veil was something unusual. Studying directly under Rachel Pollack, author of 78 Degrees of Wisdom, and Mary Kay Greer, author of Tarot for Yourself, Nicholas combined the raw folk magic of his ancestors with the leading tarot practices of the age. Today, Nicholas has taught classes on palm reading, tea leaf reading, um, and offers tarot reading to believers and skeptics alike. With a master's degree in creative writing, Nicholas believes every reading is an opportunity to uncover where you are in your life story and decide how you want the next chapters to unfold. Deeply rooted in the ancestral memories of his tutors, Nicholas draws upon a love of the past, a touch of humor, and folksy know-how. Tarot Vista is a unique combination of timelessness, style, wit, and divine insight. And we're so glad to have Nicholas here with us as a guest on Black Canvas. Thank you, Nicholas, for being here. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm so excited to be here on Black Canvas. That was a spectacular introduction. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an absolute joy to be with you this afternoon. Well, I appreciate that. I love the energy, <laughs> Nicholas. I think that makes the episode so amazing when you have guests who are enthusiastic like I am. I just want to have fun and just ask some really interesting questions and hopefully our listeners can get to know you a lot better but I just appreciate you being here this is going to be so fun I can't wait uh, I, I, I can't wait for you to uh, peer into what has made me me okay well I'm about to do that for <laughs> sure <laughs> all right so I have my first question for you all right so the first one we have is tell us what 
was was it like growing up in your hometown and who was one of your biggest inspirations uh, yeah, absolutely. My hometown, uh, Watertown, New York, uh, is a very strange little place. And I always stress this to people is that there's really, I think, knowing who I am today, you know, the weird kind of funky person that I am, um, uh, there's nowhere else I think that I could have grown up. Uh, Watertown is geographically isolated. You know, on the one part, you know, to the north, you have the St. Lawrence River, uh, which cuts us off from Canada. Uh, to the west, we have Lake Ontario. And then to the east and to the south, you know, you pretty soon you run into the Adirondack Mountains. So all around Watertown is this sort of almost impenetrable wall. And so it's a little, uh, uh, time capsule. You know, the place is kind of backwards. It's out in the backwoods. There's more cows than people. Uh, I grew up in a family that owned the oldest restaurant in Watertown. Um, and so, you know, it, it was, it was like stepping back in time in Watertown. Um, and I think most people would imagine that I, oh my God, how, you know, that must have been terrible there. Um, and, and I say, au contraire, um, it really was quite magical. Um, it was a little bit stuck in the past. It was a little bit uh, odd. Uh, but as far as growing up as a kid, I can't imagine a place that, would have been more fascinating than a place, you know, which was surrounded by forests and moss and, you know, strange creatures that crawled around in the twilight um, out in the middle of the woods. Uh, and it, it really was almost in a lot of ways, I say to people, it looked like, like Middle Earth or something. You know, you, you walk outside in the springtime in the North Country, it looks almost like you're in the middle of some sort of strange fairy tale world. Um, and then, you know, to make matters more exciting, you know, my, my family owned this, you know, old restaurant, which, you know, uh, uh, it was like from the 1920s, you know, it, it looked like a, like a, a speakeasy or something. Um, and we didn't think that this was particularly weird. Uh, and so I would say, um, even though the mindset of people up north could be a little bit uh, stuck in the mud, it definitely gave me a really healthy appreciation for the unique and the unusual. Uh, and then for the second part of your question, someone who has had a big impact on me, uh, I would definitely have to say uh, my mother's mother, uh, my grandmother, uh, her name is Marlene. And uh, she definitely, she lived in this house on the banks of the St. Lawrence River. And if you looked out her window, uh, you could literally see Canada across the water, um, or rather, you could see the bridge to Canada. And uh, she was; just, she is is very much still alive. Um, she 
was full of stories. And she kind of kept in her mind a sort of, you know, r- r- Rolodex of every single tiny little thing that had ever happened. And you could, you know, go on a drive with her and she could point something out and she could say, oh, yeah, when we were kids, we used to do that up here. Or, oh, yeah, so-and-so used to live over here. And and I think in a lot of ways, it, it was the sort of conversational style that a lot of you know country folk a lot of rural people had back in the day and she preserves that to to an extreme degree you know full of lots of old-timey folksy sayings full of all kinds of you know old-fashioned you know uh, know-how and I will honestly say that my storytelling style as a tarot reader and how I connect to clients is directly related to the conversational style that I grew up with, with her. And she, you know, when I grew up, not only did I grow up and see her very often, but I saw her mother very often. So I spent a lot of time not just with my mother, but with my grandmother and my great-grandmother. And so this sort of multi-generational connection to the past while living in this place that was old and isolated and out in the backwoods gave me this feeling like I was connected to, you know, things that happened a hundred years ago. You know, and then, you know, with these same people, you know, we would take a drive and we'd go to the cemetery and we'd wander around and we'd talk about all the dead people as though they were still alive. Like, oh, yeah. And when she was alive, she used to do this. Or, you know, he used to, you know, oh, always have a piece of hard candy in his pocket. Or, you know, this person was a real son of a gun or, you know, whatever it might be. You know, you'd go through and you just had this feeling that you were somehow having one foot in the present and one foot in all of these people's memories and lives simply by how they spoke and the stories that they told. And so I definitely try and preserve that myself. Wow. That's a lot to unpack, Nicholas. I really want to kind of share um, when you mentioned about your relationship with your family, I think that plays a huge role in, in something that you're able to share with others, because when your spirit and your, mindset is in the right place it has to definitely impact you when you're able to read for other people because you have to be you know aware and I think awareness is so important in so many careers I think people don't understand that like it's an emotional awareness that is plays a huge role but it's also just um, being aware of your own psyche and how you're feeling even after reading I know that has to be a big challenge but I love that you're able to still have a lot of those individuals in your life and they still help to guide you in your decision-making. So I'm, I first of all, want to say that. I think that's amazing. Um, I remember my great-grandmother. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to really spend as much time as I would have loved to with her. Um, and she was Native American. And it was such a great time to just talk to her about her experiences. Um, she was in a reservation in Oklahoma. And then our family ended up moving to New Orleans which I love my home city. I mean, that's just something that always puts a smile on my face when I think of the people, the culture, but of course the food. I don't want to forget that. (laughs) But it was just, (laughs) (laughs) but it was definitely something that I enjoyed, you know, growing up in in New Orleans and just 
around different types of people. And that's why I wanted you for definitely on the show um, because I feel like there's room at the table for all of us and we can learn so much from others. And so if there's any, any of our listeners that are listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't really believe it, you don't have to. Um, it's not about your belief system in something. It's about learning from other people and being able to experience their life and how they choose to tell it. And so that's why I was so glad when you reached out and wanted to be here. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to learn more about you. Well, thank you. I, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, and I, I really think it's amazing when you, know, you mentioned you, you did get to spend a little bit of time with your great grandmother who is Native American. And I, I think that's amazing. I think that's one thing that I, I wish more people had the opportunity to do is spend time and hear stories from older family members. You know, once upon a time, you know, a couple hundred years ago, you know, everybody would have lived together in the same house, you know, multi-generations of families, you know, now we're kind of spread out. And so it's a shame that, you know, we lose that connection. But if you have it, it's something that you can cherish forever. You're right about that. And I think that's a cultural thing too. I think for some some people, they struggle um, with once they hit a certain age, it's like get out the house and move on. And, and I just believe in just keeping people close to me. Um, I, I believe in that. Like that's my main source. And it helps me to feel better as well because then I know to a certain degree that they have some safety because I'm able to be there in some way myself. So I feel like, you know, I know everyone's journey is different, but it's just not losing the morals and values and things that people have instilled in you, no matter who that person might be and keeping those with you, no matter where you go as well. Yeah. I think that that's very true. And even if you look at what you do, right? Like you, you host this podcast, you bring people together. It is something that you really like is to get, you know, everybody working together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a great point that you made Nicholas, but I have some fun questions. I have another fun one for you. So this one might be a hard one, but I think you can handle it. So what has been the most challenging project on which you have worked? And then the second part of that is um, where did you find your inspiration during the global pandemic to continue to be creative when a lot of people had to halt their, their ability to work due to COVID-19? Uh, I love those questions, um, especially the first one. Um, I, and, and I had to think about it for a second, but I, I, the, the answer is very clear to me, which is, what is the most challenging project that I've had to work? Uh, and I would say that the answer to that is actually work, um, finding work. Uh, and I don't mean in my current you know, capacity as a tarot card reader. You know, that's something which is easy as pie. Uh, what I mean is for years and years and years and years, I struggled tremendously to be a quote unquote normal person. You know, I struggled to think, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I, I need to have, you know, that that nine to five, I need to have, you know, 401k and retirement and all, all the things that normal people do. Uh, and so after college, you know, years ago, you know, I would build my resume and I would apply to jobs and I would do all this stuff. And there were plenty of jobs that were very normal that I have had. You know, I've been a college professor 
I've been a second grade teacher. I've been uh, a, a bank teller. Uh, I've held all kinds of little jobs over the course of my life with dismal success. Um, I was pretty much resoundingly terrible at all of these jobs uh, because none of it was true to me. You know, the, the work that I was doing felt so much like drudgery and it felt like having to bury my talents under a, 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 a blanket of, you know, well, I'm going to do this job and I'm going to help, you know, make somebody else rich or whatever it might be. And that really wore me down for years and years and years. And to the point where I, I tried to do so many other things. I, I even tried, you know, taking one step further out of the uh, out of the normal box, trying getting a little bit more creative. I wrote an entire historical novel um, and ended up not getting that published. And that was a whole odyssey for, you know, a few years. And each step of the way, I was trying really, really hard to do something to ultimately make something of my life. And I, and I definitely would count that as a project because I see, you know, having found my way into being a full-time tarot card reader, actor, and, and otherwise storytelling professional, you know, is what I do, whether that's reading the cards or, you know, performing in a Shakespeare play on stage, no matter what it is, you know, I have found a way to tell stories using my voice that matter to my listeners and, you know, helps them discover something about themselves, whatever that might be. And that was a long, long journey. And that was a hefty project. And along the way, you know, I was tossed, you know, hither and yon between different, you know, colleges and universities and different jobs and different cities trying desperately to you know, ultimately put the pieces of this project together that was, what do I want to do in my life? And nothing finally made sense to me until I said, oh, wow, here I am. I get to dress the way I want, talk the way I want, speak the way I want. And the words that I'm saying are bringing joy and meaning to someone's life. There's a million ways somebody can do that. But for me, I didn't find it until... I started turning over those 78 different tarot cards. Wow. I mean, that really just touched me what you just said, Nicholas, because I feel there's so many people who are struggling right now, as you mentioned, with their career choice and how should they be able to, to follow their passions, but also feeling compelled to stick to a, a standard or norm that was placed before them by someone else. So even like I mentioned earlier, if there's a cultural difference of this is what I believe you should do nine to five, this type of job. But I think the main source, as you mentioned, is doing something you love, doing something that you care about, that you have a passion for. Because I always tell people when we pass away or when, however everyone sees it differently, but when we transition, you know, it's going to be something different for each person to experience. But I also like to mention is that, you know, when someone is buried or, or however they, you know, if they put them in a mausoleum or whatever goes on, that they don't look to see if that person was a millionaire. No one's checking to see those things. They really, when people speak over someone's life or they're talking about those experiences, it's about how did you leave someone feeling? How did you actually live your life? 
And I would hate to be 80 years old or 85 years old and looking back and saying, I didn't live a day of my life. I was doing everything for everyone else. And I never had a moment for me. And so I just want to keep encouraging, especially our younger listeners, to know that you can become and do a lot of things that you set your mind to. It's about coming up with a clear formula, a plan that works for you. It's going to be a lot of trial and error, but just knowing that if you have that within you, that resiliency, that love, that caring nature within yourself, and you also have the ability to allow yourself to, to fully see what you want for yourself and to actually start implementing that plan, you know, the world is kind of like an oyster. We've heard that phrase before. It's the truth. Like you really do have the ability to do anything. And the great thing, like I mentioned, the second question about COVID is that this has really helped a lot of people start to really reevaluate what are they living for and, you know, how can they go after things that maybe they didn't know they could before COVID-19? Uh, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, and, and I'll just say, you know, I, I, I agree with the whole idea that, you know, you can't take it with you, you know, so much is like, you know, at the end, you know, what is, what is it going to matter how many millions of dollars you made, you know? Um, uh, and to answer the second part of the question, what inspiration have I found during, during, during COVID-19 and what's kept me going? Uh, I was lucky enough during COVID-19 um, I lived with my boyfriend who is not only an actor, but he is a uh, videographer um, and he has camera equipment. And so I was lucky enough during COVID-19 to get to basically sit around and monkey around with the camera um, you know, and, and it's a nice camera, you know, he records actors auditions for their, for their, for, for their self tapes and things like that. So he's got a pretty nice setup. And so during COVID-19, I would get dressed to the nines. I would do, I, I would watch YouTube tutorials on how to do makeup for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I taught myself how to do makeup, which was something that I wanted to do for so long. And so I would do makeup. I would get dressed up in all of these, you know, really funky, really original outfits. And like I, everything was thrifted. You know, I, I, I didn't spend a ton of money on any of this stuff. Um, but I love going to the thrift store anyway. And so I would get dressed up, I'd do my makeup, and I would do these videos as Terravista. And I would put them on YouTube. I'd put them on Instagram. I would make little silly commercials, like infomercials from the 90s. Um, like, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, call Terravista, my toll-free number today. You know, that, that girl that you used to know in college who now works for Goldman Sachs, she's already called me. So why don't you call me? You know, all these kind of crazy, silly stuff. And a lot of the inspiration was like, Remember, like back in like the late nineties, like the like Miss Cleo, and she would be on, like this terror reader. She would be on TV, and you know, she was like, "Call me now for your free tarot reading." And it was like this whole thing. And I wanted to have this kind of like big tarot reader presence, um, and I found that in my own way. You know, I got to 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 really really create this. I hesitate to say character because I believe that Terravista is very much a part of me, but I got to to really invest in 
my personality as a tarot reader. And I got to do that in this really exciting way um, where I got to, I got to bear witness to myself um, all dressed up and being, you know, big and crazy on screen as a tarot reader. And it was so much fun. And I think my inspiration, and, and here's the thing, I'll say this, I'll, I'll say this 100% also is like, during COVID, like, I'm, I'm not a nine to fiver. Like, it's not like I was going into the office, and then all of a sudden, you know, I was sitting on my butt at home, and I needed to figure out some way to entertain myself. Um, no, you know, not, not, not at all. Uh, I actually during COVID, that was the time when I was working for a bank, I was working as a bank teller. And let me tell you what, they did not close down the bank. Me and all the other tellers still had to go into work so people could get their money. I was one of the few people in New York City who is still, you know, I, I would ride the subway train. I'd be the only person in the subway car. Um, and so then in the evenings, you know, I would, you know, keep going with Terravista. And then it actually, that was kind of the moment when it just became so big that I was like, okay, all right, I know what I need to do. And so letting that part of my personality just explode, you know, spending hours doing my clothes and my makeup and, you know, we would write these little scripts for myself, what I would say, you know, for these fake commercials. And the, the personality just became so big. I was like, yeah, I want to be that person. I want to be Tarot Vista. I want to be this amazing theatrical tarot reader. Uh, I don't want to do any of this other stupid stuff anymore. I don't want to work in a bank. I don't want to teach your kids. I don't, you know, all the other little jobs that I had. Um, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I want to do something <laughs> for me. And so it's kind of like how you said earlier. It's like, especially when we're young, you know, we think we have to fit into these prescribed little boxes. And you know what? More power to you. If you want to be a banker, if you want to be a teacher, whatever you want to be, that's amazing. If you feel like that is the thing that makes your personality flourish and grow and that you can be the biggest, baddest version of yourself, then yeah, I support you doing it. But I also think everybody should have those really inspiring moments where they feel like they are peering into their own soul, so to speak, and seeing their personality just unfold and flourish and they really feel themselves. And it's, it's an amazing feeling. And I think a lot of times when we force ourselves to just do something that somebody else has told us we need to do, whether that's I need to go to college because mom and dad say that I have to go to this college or I have to have this job because that's what I've been told or you know, I, I, I have to do this thing that does not inspire me, that does not give me any sense of uncovering my own personality. That's when we start to get dissatisfied. And there's so many people who feel tremendous anxiety and tremendous depression and tremendous unhappiness and dissatisfaction. And I think it starts from, you know, are you spending time uncovering yourself and uncovering what makes you feel powerful? What makes you feel, you know, bigger and more exciting? Because the more we lose connection to that, of course we feel anxious because that little part of us is inside of us just itching to get out and we're pushing it down you know like i said earlier trying to 
do some job and make somebody else rich. And of course, there's tons of people out there who would love very much to harness all of our power and make us do that. But once you break out of it, you could never go back to it. Wow. I think that's the lesson I needed to hear for sure as well. I think like even when you work a job, it's nothing, of course, wrong with working a full-time job, doing something that you love to do. But you also have that passions and other things. And a lot of times we will stifle our uniqueness and we, we will allow other people to kind of reroute us in directions that make us feel uncomfortable or that please their needs. And I feel like in order to cultivate that self-awareness and that belief system within ourselves, we have to do what I like to call self-preservation, taking care of you first and also being aware of where your energy lies. Because a lot of times, and people listen to my podcast, they've heard me say this multiple times, is that people want more of our energy than versus our time. And it's not saying that time is not important, but if your energy is off, if you're not in the right you know, mindset to even be able to approach different, you know, scenarios. So what Nicholas is saying is like, when he started to do this, he had already planned this in his mind, but he was also aware of what were the the benefits and what could possibly be a consequence to quitting or doing something different. But he had a strong support team around him. And this is important. What if it's your spouse? What if it's your best friend? What if it's kids? What if it's mom, dad, whoever it is, you need to know and be able to feel that energy and then allow it not to engulf us, but to allow it to be something that reflects and something that radiates within us. And so I love that you shared that story of just how life has been. It's kind of like you hit the reset button for yourself and you decided, you know, where you're going and how do you want to live? And then also being able to appreciate those moments that you're having those intimate moments with others, because especially being on stage or in, in acting, you're playing a character, but there's still a part of you that is in that character. And then when you're able to harness that and to release it to the world, then we can just sit back in awe and just appreciate the masterpiece itself. Absolutely, for sure. All right, so Nicholas, I got a really great question next. So can, if you can list three adjectives that you feel your friends might use to best describe you. Ooh, now that is interesting because I can think of some things that some people would describe me as, but then I remember it has to be my friends. So <laughs> I have to limit myself to some. You definitely don't wonder what they would say about me because it would definitely not be PG. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I will say one of the things that I definitely know people say is, is analytical. Um, people would definitely describe me as analytical because I am very detail oriented. Um, I am a Virgo for any of my fellow Virgos out there. Um, we're very discriminating. Um, we're able to look at something and kind of piece it apart. Um, let's see. I would say analytical. Uh, I would say I, and, and this might, this, this might be a, a little bit, uh, hopeful, but I would hope that my friends would describe me as funny. Um, I I think if you if 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 I have the opportunity to let my humor out, I think that is usually something that people recognize. Um, and a third adjective that people would use to describe me, uh, I would definitely say 
anybody can say this about me. Dramatic. No. <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. And 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 I think that goes for both sides of the whether whether it's my friends or whether it's my haters. I think everybody's gonna say, "Oh yeah, that's all of us." Yeah, Nick. we all have some kind of drama. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. No, like like literally with me, people are like really. That's what you didn't say. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. That's always my phrase. People know I'm like, let's make it work, and it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh-huh, I would uh-huh. I came up with three for you. I think the first one will be intuitive. I feel like you definitely have a way of reading, and not just with your job itself, but like I think you you have an intuition about you that helps you to do your job well. Thank you. I think, yeah, I appreciate that. I love that. Okay. Um, the second one I would say will be caring. I think that you have a very caring heart and a spirit to help people. And I feel like that plays a huge role in your job. You have to be able to care about the emotions that people are feeling, but also care about yourself to make sure you're not just taking on something just to do it. You, you're doing it because you have a passion. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? And I, I don't always give myself credit for that one, but I think caring, that's lovely. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. No problem. And then the last one. I have wise. I think you have a lot of wisdom. And I feel like that also comes from experience. And I people laugh at me all the time. I'm like, I'm in my late 30s and I have no problem talking about me getting old. I'm closer to 40, definitely than, than 30. And I have a lot of gray hair. People are like, oh, you must be wise. I'm like, no, I actually started graying early. But outside of that, I do have some wisdom, but I love when people, you know, associate that. With, oh, your gray hairs are your wise. Not necessarily. There, I always say you can learn something from people, whether it's a five year old teaching you how to be more childlike instead of childish and being more sentimental, or if it's someone who's 80, 85 years old who can show you what it looks like not to live. You know, just because we're here, um, sometimes we can be existing and not living. And so I love to say, you know, it's about the experience that I have with someone, but also about how do they leave me feeling after that experience? And so I love just sitting with people, talking, you know, being able to, to see where they are in life and then seeing how do I, you know, feel as well um, in that experience. So an example of that, um, when I think of like dreams and stuff that I've accomplished in, in my career, I mean, right now, this is a dream because I get an opportunity, but I'm actually living in, in this dream I get an opportunity to really talk to people from all over the world. And I don't think this ever would have happened. And I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it if I didn't go through the near death like experience from COVID. I mean, I got extremely sick, thought I had COVID. I didn't, but I literally felt I was going to die. And going through that, it was like, you know what? I need to do something where I can help bring us together and, and show there's a difference in, in this world. And then I can be that difference. And, you know, in my books I've written, that's one aspect, but just being able to talk to people and hear, I think really hear what someone is saying and be able to let them know they have a safe space with me and they don't have to feel intimidated or feel judged. You know, we need to start loving people back and not judging them because um, a lot of times you don't know what that person is going through. And I have lost people to completing suicide and and I know that dark place. So I always say we need to just be aware of what's going on, but also just having some level of empathy 
Um, even if you're not a you know empathetic listener at this time, start watching other people who are, and you can learn a lot from that. And that way, you can give people something that you know you may not actually see the gift that it gives to you in person with your eyes, but there's a, a huge gift in just being present with someone and giving them the opportunity to be themselves. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I, I think it, it's important to know too, you know, empathy really starts with curiosity. Um, you know, if, if, if you're curious about something, you'll likely, you know, give it the time of day, you'll likely listen, you'll likely pay attention. And so it, it, it might be a hard thing to cultivate empathy and for a lot of people. But I also think if you're curious about what wisdom you can acquire from the world around you, you know, empathy will naturally follow. Absolutely. I, I think you hit that nail on the head for sure on that one. Now I have a really fun question. I really like, I ask every mm-hmm. guest this question. So if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, and I'm going to actually put you on the spot. I want you to choose a specific age. What would you say to young Nicholas? Mm. I would tell my, I would tell my probably 13 or 14 year old self. So it's not, I'm, I'm not going all the way back, but this is, this is probably where the trouble began. Uh, I would tell my early teenage self, don't worry about being normal. Uh, you're not going to be, and you won't be happy being normal anyway. Uh, and I think that is something that I got off track. And well, I shouldn't say that. You know, there's a tremendous amount of learning that I did in striving to try and fit into the box and be a normal person. You know, it, it was full of suffering and it was full of pain and it was full of all kinds of mental anguish. You know, how am I going to operate in a world full of doctors and lawyers and stockbrokers and investment bankers who wear suits and ties and drive, you know, fancy cars and live in, you know, condos and, you know, all kinds of fancy little subdeveloped housing units and all these different things. And I thought that as painful as that all sounded, that was the only picture of success. If I wanted to be successful and take care of myself and be a productive member of society, I was going to have to go to college and get a job like some doctor or stockbroker or whatever and, you know, have a big ugly house and, you know, drive a Mercedes and join a country club or whatever the heck it was that I thought people who were successful did. And what a great many people still think that is what successful people do. And I tried really hard to do it uh, with, with brutally painful results, you know, because I, I, I don't enjoy those things. I don't enjoy that world. And when you try to force yourself into a box that you don't belong in, the stress is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Now, if there's somebody out there who absolutely loves analyzing the stock market and it is just they they just have a burning passion for it they just run to the newspaper and they rip it open and they look at what the stocks are doing every single day and that's what they like 
then go be a gosh darn stockbroker. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. Your talents will be expressed. But for me, I had zero interest in that. I had absolutely zero interest in that. But I thought in order to be successful, I needed to be like all these other normal, quote unquote, normal people. Uh, And I'm far too bohemian, far too artsy, far too weird uh, to do any of those things with any level of success or joy. And so I would tell my younger self, don't worry about being normal like that. Those things are for other people. Um, Now, I'm not sure if there could have been any other path or trajectory that my life could have taken. You know, if I had gotten started earlier, let's say I got started 10 years earlier, um, would I, you know, be where I am now? Would I be further along? Who knows? You know, who knows? It's kind of like you've been saying all day. It is what it is, right? You know, it is what it is. Um, and I am rather proud of, you know, the circuitous journey that I've taken. And all that time that I spent, you know, worrying about how I was going to pull off this great ruse living in the normal world and failing taught me a tremendous amount about what I don't want in life. But it also taught me kind of how to relate to so many people. And there are millions of us out there who are just trying to figure out what we can do with our talents and our natural joy, you know, what we find joy in that we can do on a day-to-day basis to make us happy and to make us feel fulfilled. And that's definitely the biggest part of what I do as a tarot card reader is how do we find joy and fulfillment in your life and maximize that and make it big and make you really feel like you're in the driver's seat of your own life again. I probably couldn't do that as successfully if I hadn't had a weird winding journey of getting out of the normal people's world. Um, But I would tell my younger self, Go a little easier on yourself in terms of trying to hold yourself up to those expectations. You don't need to be normal. I think that can be something you can trademark just right there. You don't need to be normal because I feel like that's a phrase that many people struggle to accept within themselves because what is normal to one person may not be important or maybe may not be something that resonates with someone else but I feel like you you said something that we all needed to hear is that it's about believing in your journey and and embracing your truth and doing what's best for you because in doing those things people are going to connect and that interconnectedness that we start to build within our relationships I think that will help you even in your career like when people watch you perform or when you're actually reading cards to someone that's something where someone is entrusting in you that you can build the relationship or tell them a truth in in your own words in your own fashion in the way you like to express yourself and that they can be able to use that as a vehicle to believe in themselves or to trust themselves or to do something different that maybe wasn't working in their lives and so there's a lot of power in what you what you are able to express and do in your career but there's also a lot of vulnerability um, that has to be set forth between both members. And so I think that's a great thing that you have mentioned how you have struggled, but you're finding a way to triumph through the pain and you're not allowing it to dictate 
what you deem to be success in your own life. And so I think you answered that perfectly. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's, it's kind of universal, right? We'll, we'll all have times in our life that hurt. Um, but how we turn that into wisdom, you know, how we turn that into an experience that we learn from really, truly does make a tremendous amount of difference. Absolutely. So I have only two questions for you left, Nicholas, and I'm going to combine these last two. So the first part of that question is, can you tell our listeners where can they find you online? And the second part of the question is, what's next for you? (laughs) Yes. Uh, So uh, where they can find me online is on Instagram at Tarot Vista, T-A-R-O-T-V-I-S-T-A, Tarot Vista. That's where I post most of my uh, tarot-related content. Uh, I also am on YouTube. Uh, you can find me at Tarot Vista is, is who I am on YouTube. As I do longer videos on YouTube. I'll sometimes post little uh, videos where I'll... I'll use the cards and I'll read into some particular, you know, event that has happened. Uh, but usually, especially if somebody wants a reading from me, DMing me on Instagram is an amazing way to get a hold of me. Slide into my DMs uh, and I'll slide into your dreams. Uh, so I also, what's next for me is I am going to be in a production of Shakespeare's King Lear at Stag and Lion Theater, which is an off-Broadway theater here in New York City. Uh, and uh, you can see me, you can get tickets for that at stagandlionTheater.com. Uh, and uh, it's a really, really cool, dark pagan tragedy set in Celtic Britain. And surprisingly, uh, through, through no uh, fault of my own, I'm playing a good guy. Um, which which is very fun for me. Uh, so I encourage you to also check me out that way. Well, Nicholas, I have really enjoyed you being on the show today. This has been a pleasure. I've learned so much more about you and what you stand for and how you've been able to help so many individuals. But I think you've also given us a window to your, your heart as well, outside of your soul. And I, I just am so impressed by you and what you've been able to share with us and I want you to continue to succeed in your career and I will be your 100% supporting. Oh, thank you so much, Jeriel. It has been absolutely my pleasure to be here and and I appreciate all of your thoughtful questions and it was an exceptional experience. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Nicholas. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will talk with you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks again. Bye-bye. No problem. Bye. Yeah.